listening to Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast. My name's James Lovelock and I'm joined today by Matthew Kuhn. Uh, Matthew, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Matthew. Um, Matthew Kuhn. I am an actor, dancer, general, creative, multi-hyphenate, millennial. <laughs> um, uh, for the last eight years, I worked with Northern Ballet, where I was a first soloist. Um, previous to that, I was Billy Elliot on the West End, and now I am living the freelance actor life, living the highs and lows and loving every bit. Excellent news. That's great. <laughs> you have such a varied career. You've done oh my lots God. of things. I always dread when people ask me to introduce myself. It's like, <laughs> what do I say? And that's like, probably sounds like a humble brag, but it's actually <laughs> genuinely quite difficult for me to articulate who I am and what I'm up to because I just do a bit of everything. So, Which is great. It's good to have all of those different skills. Well, So uh, on this podcast, we're talking um, a bit about representation and particularly, I suppose, a bit about seeing ourselves um, in media uh, whether that's film or theatre yeah. or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going to start off maybe by talking to you a bit about your inspirations and oh, yes. thinking a little bit about who has inspired you uh-huh. in terms of the different areas that you work in. Right. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I'm just thinking, like, Sandra O. Oh. I don't know why. That's just that's the first name that came to my yeah. head. Um, she's just a brilliant, brilliant actress, obviously. Um, but just uh, seeing her in Grey's Anatomy and watching her in Killing Eve and all the other amazing things that she's done um, as an East Asian person myself, not often you get to see other East Asians on screen, let alone in the Western world speaking English and in a... Well, she's Canadian, but she's obviously big in America. Mm. But um, yeah, in the Western setting, so... I was also born, I was born in England, so my first language was Cantonese, but <laughs> yeah. it is now predominantly English, mm. and my Cantonese is probably at the level of five-year-old, let's say. <laughs> but yeah, she's a huge inspiration, I think, just seeing someone um, killing the game um, in the acting world. Um, but in terms of dancing, like, I think that's the great thing about ballet. Like, when growing up, I had so many role models. Mm. There's lots of East Asian dancers out there, um, from all over the world um and i'm struggling to pinpoint one person but i think as in general that probably is a good thing because there's there were just so many people to look up to um yeah which is yeah. not so much the case i guess in particularly in western television and film mm. and, and theater as well i mean yeah. there, there, clearly there must be a lot of chinese actors mm-hmm. that are working but we yes. perhaps don't see them if you're somebody that's been brought up in the uk absolutely you may not have access to those people yes they there is obviously a huge uh like um industry for acting mm. in east asian countries china south korea japan um yeah but they to see East Asian actors in the West is still very rare. Mm. Um, I will say maybe a few years ago when Crazy Rich Asians came out, that was a huge turning point for me just to see them on screen was amazing. Um, But I would say, yeah, British East Asians, we're, we're on the come up. (laughs) definitely definitely yes i mean one of the things with uh musical theater which is the area that i predominantly work in Mm -hmm. is that we are now starting to see um more asian actors Mm -hmm. being given roles and being given um principal roles Mm -hmm. as well in in 
particularly in revivals, I think. Yes. Um, there's a lovely group called Representation that I've mentioned on the podcast yes, a couple I of times before. Um, and there are a number of actors who are uh, kind of linked in with that that are doing very well. Um, but the other thing as well is it must be quite difficult because we tend to talk about, in a similar way to how we talk about um, black as if it's like one identity, people yes. will talk about... Um, Asian identities mm -hmm. and obviously that covers a huge number of different people yes. uh, and different genres as well because you know uh, Bollywood would be an Asian genre but may yes. not necessarily be one that, that you would be particularly involved with mm -hmm. or, or linked into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although having said that last night I started a film called RRR so it's three R's in a row and it's I think it's Bollywood or Tollywood one of those. Okay. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people raving about it. It's a superhero film. Mm. Um, but yeah, I started watching that last night. I think I want to watch that now. <laughs> yeah. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Bit of random information. <laughs> no, I do. I love a superhero film. I do. And, yes. and again, I mean, I suppose that's one of the things, again, that's been talked about recently with uh, Ms. Marvel as well. And yes. starting to get more um, black mm. actors, mm -hmm. Asian actors. But mm -hmm. again, thinking about the fact that you know, there isn't just one type of black or there isn't just one type of Asian yes. um, actor. And w when people are looking to be represented, I mean, this is maybe something that you, you would be able to talk more about, but, uh -huh. um, you know, thinking about what, yeah. what does it mean for you to be represented? Yeah. Oh, I think about this a lot um, because, uh, like, it is one of the main reasons why I wanted to pursue acting again um after having had a career in ballet mm. um it's because you know i'm so i often find myself looking for that representation i'm trying to see myself somewhere in may that be in you know i i love k-pop mm. or i loved k-pop growing up i'm not as up to date with it at the moment but i still really enjoy it um but a big part of me loving K-pop was seeing East Asians mm. singing, dancing, just being amazing. Um, and also along that line, I love K-drama. I loved K-dramas growing up as well because mm. it was I could see people who looked like me, yeah. um, East Asian, although Korean. You know, just seeing myself was such a powerful thing. And there's the whole thing you can't you can't be it unless you see it. Yes. Um, but that was a big reason why I wanted to get into acting again. It's because. I realized I was spending so much time looking for myself and if I can't see it, why don't I be it myself? And I knew yeah. I wanted to, I knew I wanted to get back into acting. I wanted to pursue it seriously and whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to pursue acting apart from just, just seriously, just, just seriously. Very I'm a, serious I'm a acting. serious actor, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not. Um, but yeah, that was a big reason um, to, because I couldn't see it. So mm. I want to be it. Uh, yeah. I think that's particularly true again in theatre and musical theatre. There's been, it's taken a very long time to mm. start to get anything beyond the really hideous things like The King and I, yes. uh, which is not particularly mm. truthful representation. Mm. Um, but actually, you're talking about K pop. There's, I know of yes. two musicals uh, around K pop that are being developed two? at the moment. Really? Yeah, one in London and there's one in New York, which is. I I think opening in October or November. Wow. Um, Which is the one in New York? I know, I think I know of the one in, Lon in London that's in development. Yes, the one, the, one in, the one in New York, I think they did a version at the Ars Nova and it was kind of an immersive piece. It's written by Helen Park and Max Vernon and it's transferring to Broadway, I think in October or November of this year. 
so there's there's two pieces of work that are being yes. that are being made at the moment and yeah. that's that's fantastic mm-hmm. um we were also talking a little bit earlier on about um interstate mm. uh which is a musical that um i've been following for the last five years because i love it mm-hmm. um and that has uh, several queer um asian characters east asian characters and south asian characters mm-hmm. um and is you know is really important i think in start in starting to open that world as well yes and it's it's you know it's lovely to have that in that mm. sort of representation as well yes. and i don't know how you feel about this but sometimes i think it gets really difficult when we are part of more than one minority group yes um so i've spoken about this yeah i've spoken about this on another podcast as well Mm -hmm. but i find that as somebody that is both a member of the lgbtq community Mm -hmm. and also um has uh, anxiety and Mm -hmm. um various other things to do with my health and Mm -hmm. it's very difficult sometimes to talk across both of those things and to see both of those things being represented um so yeah i don't know whether that's something you could maybe talk more about yeah absolutely um yeah you've such done it the two like the marginalized groups that i would say i identify with is yeah in in the uk is british east and southeast asian um and also being part of the LGBTQ plus community, being a gay man. Um, yeah, so there's one thing about trying to find representation in seeing the East Asians, but then on top of that, how do I see or find representation that is East Asian and gay? Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I guess it has been difficult but recently, oh my God, I watched a film called Fire Island. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. And I'm going to put that on my list now with the yes. other one that you mentioned earlier. Yes, it was R, R, so R, R. much yeah. fun. Yes, R, R, R and Fire Island. Mm. I don't know why. These are just springs <laughs> to my mind. This is not like a film review podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I watched that recently and it was written by Joel Kim Booster and mm. um, starring Bowen Yang. It centers around... Um, a gay East Asian male identity. And it was just such a fun watch. Mm. Like, I think it was like, I did my, I watched it with my boyfriend, Ben, and he Googled it. And, um, cause we were like, this is very Pride and Prejudice vibes. <laughs> and it was actually, I think it is actually based on the structure of Pride and Prejudice. No way. Yes, I'm going to say that. And it's probably not going <laughs> but I think it is because I was like, this feels very Mr. Darcy. Like there's one character in it that's like very Mr. Darcy. Mm. Um, and, Having said that, I've literally never watched Pride and Prejudice, but somehow I knew that reference. I think I've seen Bride and Prejudice, the Bollywood okay. version, not Bollywood <laughs> coming up again. I remember watching that mm. growing up. Um, but yeah, it's actually loosely based. It's based on that, I think. Um, but it was so, so much fun. I would watch if I, like, if, if you're interested. Um, definitely I'm always give it interested, a watch. definitely. So yeah, I, I, it, it is difficult to see myself in mm. things, um, but that recently yeah fire island definitely related to that on many levels um but other than that yeah it's really difficult for me to think of something off the top of my head um i often find myself just yeah having to pick one or the other like i said Mm. like growing up watching listening to k-pop and watching k-drama i'm obviously relating to my east asian side seeing someone east asian on screen um and then on the other hand being gay wanting to watch LGBTQ plus um, films and TV shows, um, more often than not, they are mostly centering white queer characters because it's, 
you know, I'm British, so I speak English. <laughs> so most of these English-speaking TV shows and films, yes, they center around white characters. Um, but it is getting a lot better. Mm. Um, I will say that there is like hope. Um, watched Heartstopper recently. And it was beautiful. There's um, some queer POCs in there. Yeah. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, so there's hope. Um, I like to look at it in a hopeful way that it's it's getting better and it's, it's coming soon. And hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe I can play a small part in that as well um, in some way or the other. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying like, I have to wait for it. <laughs> this but, is the thing know, though, isn't yeah. it? Because it was when you were saying that thing about, um, you know, growing up in Britain, mm. you know, there is no reason why the stories, all LGBTQ stories mm. should be centred around white people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things, again, we were talking about a little bit earlier was... Yeah. This idea of how much as an actor you put yourself into characters yes. and how often, and I don't know whether this is just true of audiences, I think this is probably true of casting directors as mm -hmm. well and perhaps even writers, mm -hmm. where we've got a character and there's nothing written about that character in terms of what race they are. Mm -hmm. There's not necessarily anything in the uh, in the plot that gives away the character's sexuality. Mm -hmm. Or if there is, it doesn't necessarily mean that that character is straight because mm -hmm. that character could be bisexual or pansexual. Yes. And this idea about how you can bring yourself into, um, into some of these roles. Yes. Um, the reason I know you is from Billy Elliot, which is right mm -hmm. at the very, very beginning mm -hmm, mm -hmm, of your career. And I was thinking a little bit about what you brought to that role mm. as the first Chinese yeah. Billy. Yes. I mean, that was many, obviously many years ago, but the, that whole experience um, of being the first non-Caucasian actor to play the role mm. of Billy was, I would say it was completely... It was lost on me, like not lost, but like it, yeah. I was, I think probably for the better, like very oblivious to the fact that and what, what that fact and how important that was and how monumental it was, mm. I guess. Um, yeah, I was just an 11 year old, 10 year old child auditioning for the role of Billy Elliot. I liked to, da to dance and my dance teacher just said, look, there's an audition for Billy Elliot, the musical happening at the local dance community centre why don't you go along? I'd never seen the film Billy Elliot mm. before that. Um, and it was just a beautiful kind of organic kind of process. I would say like, I was very lucky that I, my teacher had that foresight to say, look, mm. it's something you can audition for. Obviously I had no expectations, but yeah, I kind of, you know, went along with it and somehow landed the role. Mm. And then suddenly was also the first non-Caucasian actor to play it. Um, and I would say it was really, I, I remember there being some press coverage about it. And um, I had interviews with um, kind of Chinese news outlets and mm. things like that. Um, but I was so, yeah, I wish like, you know, but then it's almost kind of better that when you're, when you're that young, it, should, it shouldn't really, in an ideal world, it wouldn't have been a huge deal anyway. Mm. But um, I understand why it was a huge deal now looking back and I just feel very grateful that I had I was that person but also you know on in one hand feel very lucky that I didn't have to worry about the burden of that either if you're interested in LGBTQ plus representation in musical theatre 
check out our website, www.queermusicals.com, for lots more information about musicals with LGBTQ characters. It makes me feel like, as well that there must be so many other roles that mm. it would be so great if you could almost approach them as the 11 year old you yes. and just go, yeah, I mean, there is no, so true. there is really no reason that mm. I mean, this is just plucking these characters out of thin air, but there's no reason that James Bond could not be mm-hmm. um, Chinese. Hello. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that James Bond would be a particularly strong LGBTQ <laughs> role. They'd have to do well. They, not why not? <laughs> Um, but you know it's, it's interesting things with like Doctor Who recently as well oh, and yes. um, they them casting um, Shooty in that role yes. um, is is really awesome fantastic yes. and hopefully that's something you know even when we're talking about things like Pride and Prejudice where mm. people think oh it's very archetypally but that's where yes. Bridgerton comes in a little bit right. I yes. think isn't it yes, and yes, yes. so we're starting to get these things challenged and mm-hmm. I think that's really important and I think also the idea we again we spoke about this a bit earlier the idea about um how as queer people we connect to characters because yeah. we make the assumption, unless we see otherwise, that these characters are straight. Yes, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's a shame that we, that in some ways, that we do that. I yes. don't know. No, you well, you said something really helpful from for me going forward. That uh, someone you know approaches every character, every audition as that character being queer, like that, um, unless otherwise stated, this mm. character is queer and. And I, that's, that's just such an amazing way to approach it. I think I often, I'm guilty of it myself, just, you know, I look at a character and I think, oh gosh, is this a straight character? Is this a gay character? But I didn't, you know, I'm still, you know, I, it, it just opened, it, the, what, what you said has opened my mind. Like, you know, we can approach it as any way. And if we find one connection, that's the connection that you need. And unless it's otherwise stated, it doesn't need to be one or the other. I think there are times when it's really useful to have that that sort of thing where you can just put yourself into the role and it doesn't even need to be something that necessarily the director or the audience mm-hmm. know about. Mm-hmm. And then equally there's times where you think, actually, we really do need something that is explicitly written mm. as an East Asian queer character yes. because otherwise people mm-hmm. will think that East Asian mm-hmm. queer people don't exist or yes. whatever it is, or, you know, that people are not going to see themselves yeah. um, in the media, which they should be able to. I think ex- explicitly probably that uh, East Asian queer British, I, yeah, have struggled to find mm. myself. Maybe I'm not looking far enough. I know that we are here. (laughs) We are here. And there is obviously communities that I I'm part of and I know we exist. Um, But I guess like the other thing is, um, I guess, you know, if the the stories aren't out there, then write them Mm. yourself, which kind of, I um, did that myself recently. You did. Yes. (laughs) Which was, you know, maybe it's very helpful because it's probably not the best thing to approach an acting career in, in a way that's like this through acting, I'm going to find validation through acting. Mm. I'm going to be, you know, find that healing. Like that's not what acting is about. Acting is about playing, playing a character and amazing. If people watching a character that you are portraying or a character that has been written, people can find ways to relate or feel like they are being seen and healed through that. That is an amazing thing. But 
for me personally, for my mental health, I can't be approaching everything like that. Mm. Um, but recently, yes, I wrote a little bit um, for a scratch night at the Lowry. <laughs> you did. I, uh, I loved it. It was such a... I found so many things there that I hadn't seen about myself that were being right. represented. Yeah. And as it, as it happened, I'm just about to leave the job that I've been doing for the last uh, eight years. Mm. And your, um, the thing that you wrote was a lot about that idea of leaving something that yes. had been a big part of your life for a long time. Yeah. And what that meant and how, I think, how you find yourself uh-huh. when something that's been like the backbone of who you are for yeah. such a long time is suddenly taken away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, the in- thing that interested me is that while that was completely um, representative of, uh, you know, you as an East Asian person and mm-hmm. a queer person, mm-hmm. it was also completely representative of me as well. Wow. And it's, I think that's one of the things that, that I've, I've learned over the past few years. And hopefully yeah. one of the things that these podcasts is there to address as well is that, some you know having more stories that are being told by different people mm. does not mean that white people specifically mm. <laughs> will connect less to those stories mm-hmm. and actually it's really important that as white people we know the things that are going on and we go out of our way to look at this representation mm. as well yeah just to make us realize that we are not the only people <laughs> in the entire <laughs> universe what surprise <laughs> 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 yeah i i guess like yeah, writing about my truth was both cathartic and just like, it was, I'm not going to say easy. It Mm. did take a level of like self-reflection and also just to look at myself from an outside perspective. But yeah, I think I've always resonated with, um, with art, TV shows, films that are quite, um, unfiltered and kind of almost autobiographical. Um, so Michaela Cole and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, just their works have been so inspiring because it's just like not afraid to put a microscope on the kind of darker sides of yourself or mm. the, the ugly or the kind of uh, the cringe sides of mm. yourself. And my piece I wrote about was very much about, um, yeah, so working as a ballet dancer for, for so many years and leaving that behind and coming back to my hometown, Manchester, moving home. Um, and the shame that there, there's a level, like, of course I made that decision. It took me a long time to make that decision and I made mm. it with a clear head and I'm very happy about leaving that chapter of my life. Um, but I cannot deny that there's a level of, you know, hum- just a bit of shame about coming back home. Mm. And maybe I just, rather than letting that, um, feeling kind of consume me i wanted to just look at it a bit more yeah closely and just put it on show because mm. every normal person does that <laughs> <laughs> but um i have a few friends that also um oh it's throwing my mind back now so now i remember why i wrote it mm. <laughs> because it was um i remember reading about since the pandemic um a lot of people have been leaving and quitting their perfectly fine full-time jobs mm to jump into an uncertain world of either unemployment or chasing their dreams. And I noticed that a few of my friends, my age group were leaving their jobs and coming back home. And although it was exciting, there was also, you know, some shame around that uh, Mm. or some trepidation. And I wanted to just, yeah, capture that moment 
whilst I was in it and it was really helpful and I would love to write a bit more write more mm. um uh and I shall, I think. I should hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is me putting it on record. <laughs> oh I God. really like that sentence. <laughs> I would like to write more, and I shall. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> so I was thinking a little bit about um, other experiences. that Because uh, what I'm writing about at the moment is thinking about how theatre i mean specifically musical theatre has um translated specific queer experiences onto the stage so things like experiencing uh, a prom at high school um the idea of um coming out perhaps mm-hmm. um finding queer community chosen family those sorts of things mm-hmm. and i was wondering if there are specific things that you can think of that you think we should be telling as stories mm. wow it's difficult because I think the stories are being they they exist out mm. there, obviously, and I think it's about um nurturing those people who have the stories and um helping them have a way to bring it out, like very much like mm. myself, like I didn't know I could write. I didn't know I was qualified to do anything in that realm. I always saw myself as a dancer or an actor and I get given the material and I do it. Mm. Um, but actually creating your own material, like it's pretty amazing. But I think I was only, I only ever felt like I, that I could do that through having a network of people who supported me. So specifically new earth theater who mm. were previously yellow earth theater. Um, they, nurture british east and southeast asian talent in the who who are in the uk and actors uh, actors and writers specifically and they had an academy that i joined over lockdown mm. so literally i just found my own community and they helped me they helped uplift my voice and gave me the tools to write about my story so i think the thing is yeah it's like looking for those stories um if you are in a position to help some to to bring stories to the forefront it's about looking for those people and providing an accessible way for them to be able to tell it Mm. giving them the tools and training them in a way that not even training like because some people are just amazing they can just do it um but you know allowing them the platform to do it Mm. and um helping them feel like they can because a lot of the time i think people just feel like oh i'm not don't people don't want to hear about me because I've never seen it on TV. So how can, you know, no Mm. one wants to hear that, but actually, you know, you, you, like you said, like if someone tells their story truthfully, someone's going to relate on some way with your story. It might not be exactly your story, but there's always something in there in that truthful storytelling that you can find a way to relate to. I think that's really true. Definitely. Um, I think one of the things I was thinking just then is that, um, I mean, I've known you for quite a long time. And the number of times where um, I've seen something that you've done or there have been moments in your life where things have changed or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i really inspired by watching you go through perhaps sometimes things that were similar to things that I've gone through mm-hmm. and other times where it's been something that's totally uncharted for mm-hmm. me. And oh, and cool. so, yeah, <laughs> no, it's... And, and I feel that about a lot of people that I kind of 
I kind of no reason, you know, or, or I know of, or that I follow, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it does really, I guess, uh, I find it difficult that we haven't got to the stage where some of those stories are being told more widely, mm-hmm. rather than it feeling like the same story is being told again and again. Yeah. And I, I was thinking this with like the soap operas, with things like EastEnders. Yeah. And, you know, and thinking how, why do the same stories come round every few, <laughs> who's burnt the Vic down this time? <laughs> you know, who is the, who is the serial killer? And, and it's, it feels like, yeah. you know, there are so many other stories we could tell. And musical theatre is just as guilty because it's always adapting Mm. Um, films from 30 years ago which are all telling the same story of heterosexual love or whatever it might be yeah no I agree I mean but having said that like there is it's happening it's definitely happening Uh, in Hollyoaks um, this there has recently been like an uh, they've introduced a new family and Mm. they are the first East Asian family to ever have been on Hollyoaks and I think on a British soap I'm but I remember I, it I'm being, thinking I, that's right yes yeah. I think it was quite a monumental moment and I have a really good friend who's actually who plays Serena who is in mm. who is in that family and and actually I know a few of the writers who, who wrote episodes specifically for that family but also just in for, for the entire episodes for lots of different mm. families and characters as well um so it's happening um slowly but it is happening yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean uh, but yeah it is sad that it in 2022 oh my god i'm gonna say the, in 2022 <laughs> um but it is sad that it has taken this long um but i you know i choose to try and be i'm gonna try, i try to be really positive the way mm. i look at it and i think that is also why it was like for me it felt like a calling for me to to be part of it and to play my role and also so that i can retire one day or you know be old one day and look back and say yeah i did everything i wanted to do or at least tried to do it and um but yeah i think it, it is on the way thank you for listening to this podcast if you're enjoying it don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast service if you want to follow us on social media you can follow us on twitter at queer musicals or you can follow me at dr james lovelock So what you were talking about there with um, with um, Hollyoaks and the writers and the actors, uh, I think kind of links into this idea about um, who gets to tell stories. Yeah. Um, but also not necessarily who gets to tell the stories, but what do we gain from stories being told authentically and from having this kind of diverse range of stories mm. um, out there? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, oh God, there's so much. I mean, on a... On like a personal level for me, it's like just great to be able to see representation, um, seeing ca- characters that I'm very familiar with because it's written by maybe someone who is also of East Asian descent. So already there, they're going to write about what, hopefully they'll write about what they know, right? Like yeah. most people, should, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they write about, they're going to write about characters or create characters that they know. And if we have that shared experience and it's like, wow, yeah when I watch it, there is a level of, I know these people, I've met these people, these people feel real and authentic. Mm. So I think there's that to gain. And also the other side is like for actors as well. Just if I were to write an episode, like this is a theoretical yeah. situation, of course I'd want to write about 
a lot of people in my life. So that would be East Asian people, queer mm. people. And that in that way, like I, for actors, when people write for you, it's amazing because you, even if you don't land that role, it's just mm. amazing to see people doing it. And it's a win for us in, in that sense. Um, because why, yeah, why can't we be up there? So, so yeah. I'm just this is a bit of a tangent off that, mm. but I was just thinking about um Merlin. Oh yes. And yeah. thinking about you as you playing the title role in that, that your yeah. your swan song as a dancer. <laughs> well no, it's not your swan song as a dancer, is it? But <laughs> well <laughs> your last role with Northern Ballet. Yes. Um, yes. and thinking about how that role mm. uh, do you feel like that role was kind of developed? with you in mind to some extent um so with merlin uh yeah drew mcconey was the choreographer who mm. is uh, the most lovely person you you know him um, i do yes yeah. the great he's an amazing person to work with um he I, I always felt like at any given moment drew could just get up and do it <laughs> like, <laughs> get and he, out of the way Matthew. yeah it's like, <laughs> i was like dude wow this is you're amazing <laughs> um but he, I think he really did put himself into Merlin's shoes as a, like, um, and he told, he created Merlin from his kind of experiences mm. of growing up as a, a queer, um, person. And there's lots of elements of Merlin in, mm. a bit, he wasn't written, he's not explicitly queer, actually, yeah. but who, we don't know. Mm. Um, it was up to interpretation. <laughs> but he, yeah, the whole idea of him being an outcast and him mm. feeling like um, different from everybody else because of his magical powers. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the magical powers were a metaphor for his sexuality. Yeah. And the story revolves around Merlin, um, you know, his, his adopted mother, mm. um, the blacksmith, is from her perspective, she's trying to protect Merlin mm. and she tries to encourage him to hide his magic and to just try and be like everybody else because the magic is different and the magic mm. can get you in trouble. And this is set in a world where um, it's um, Camelot yeah. uh, back in back, back then. <laughs> in the olden days. In the olden days. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so magic was different so he was always encouraged to hide his magic mm. and the, the the main story arc character arc for merlin throughout the ballet is that he finds how to harness his powers and also find a way to accept his his powers and like mm. and it's it was very you know he did um drew did say it's it is a queer coded story yeah. uh, storyline um it's not explicitly queer but like he there's no doubt that you know there is that the, there is a parallel there um mm. with the magical powers being almost like a metaphor for his sexuality so by the end he he um his he accepts his powers and also his adopted mother blacksmith the blacksmith loves and accepts him for his powers as well and also teaches him like there's a beautiful moment where she's just she she just tells him it's okay in ballet mm. in ballet terms lovely she mimes or she dances that you know your powers mm. are okay and actually your powers are your strength so mm. yeah i think definitely like i saw myself in merlin a lot because specifically because of the the choreographer drew mm. and the way he created that story and he did it from his experience um so i related to that as well um yeah, that's it's really lovely. I do love the idea of being gay being a superpower. Um, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna gay you. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, such fun. Oh, yeah. um, but no, that's it's it's really lovely. And also, I suppose one of the things is that although it's not specifically written necessarily as an East Asian role, mm-hmm. the fact that you are playing it as an East Asian person yeah. means that that's what the audience will see. Yes. And so in that sense, it is coded as a queer East Asian Mm-hmm. when you're playing that Exa- role yes absolutely. and and actually I go, that goes back to i think something that we gain from you know a wider representation representation because yes. sometimes you know uh, like we were saying earlier sometimes it's good to have explicit stories about mm-hmm. those communities mm-hmm. other times just by including those communities yes you're already adding to the representation as well absolutely yeah, yeah uh, uh, definitely that like a bit of both isn't it mm. it's not one hard rule for all of it um cause yeah because like you said there's so many times where you watch things and it's like nothing about this character has meant there's no reason why this character couldn't be a different different ethnicity mm. and not not white um yeah so it's a beauty in you know just switching that up but also mm. i'm literally repeating what you said or writing specific characters <laughs> well, you repeated it very beautifully i can see why you're an actor yes, yes. <laughs> <Just> repeat lines <laughs> but actually the thing with ballet as well is it's very difficult and with dance in general it's very difficult to be explicit about mm. those things i yeah. mean obviously matthew bourne manages it i've just uh, seen the car man he very oh, much you? manages it <laughs> <laughs> explicit in another sense yes but um i've not actually, seen that I'd yeah to oh, see it. it was it was wonderful um mm. but but yeah it's you know sometimes with dance because it's less tangible you know it's less verbal yes actually that can be a really good way of unlocking um representation in a way because mm. there's much more scope for the audience to yeah. put their own interpretation on it yeah yeah um, and maybe that's something that will hope you know when you're acting maybe that's something that will come from your dance background as well i hope so yes. yeah yeah yeah, that's definitely, yeah, I always did find the ballet world to be very at the, f- uh, in many ways it's not, but mm. in terms of growing up, like I mentioned before, there were a lot of East Asian dancers out there, or there were a few out there, mm. and they were, you know, in casts, which were essentially, I don't know what the term is these days, but it's color, like colorblind casting, like mm. it didn't matter that their parents were not the same ethnicity as yes. they were, and yeah. and just that and at the end of the day is i guess you go to the theater and there's a level of suspended belief Mm. anyway but as long as you can go with that it's just you're just gonna you're still gonna enjoy the show right um but yeah ballet was really good for that in terms of colorblind castings yeah sometimes it will be interesting to see things like the k-pop musicals that we mentioned um and and musicals where there is clearly um east asian writers and creatives involved i mean that was one of the things that was wonderful about interstate as well is that you get some very clear um some very clear things which are clearly from a chinese background i Mm -hmm. always think about the song loser dumplings uh, which is i I will put a link to in uh, somewhere with this podcast but uh, which is just such a beautiful way of using uh, a metaphor to to tell the story of falling in love and it's and, oh. and it's very much you know it's very clearly from a chinese background yes. as well as being a, very much a an experience that everybody can right relate to yes um so yeah, yeah there's i'd it, love it, to see i'd love to listen to that 
I'd I love bought, to see Interstate. Interstate yeah, was wonderful. You went to LA to watch I it. I did because yeah. I was a very lucky person. Very, very lucky. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Next and time, take me. <laughs> I will see if you'll fit. I mean, it was, I could only take hand luggage this time, so you'd have to get quite I could small. I fit into hand luggage. <laughs> I'm not that tall. <laughs> um, so you've recently uh, finished filming on Greatest Dates, which was with Drew McConey again. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Yes. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, I Yes. So I was... I was a dancer in this Greatest Days is um, the new movie musical is a, is coming out next year I believe mm-hmm. um, it's um, the movie musical for Take That uh, using all Take That songs yeah um, and yeah I was a dancer in it um, Drew like um, it was a great to work with Drew again um, yeah. having worked on, with him for Merlin and it was just amazing to work with him again but in a different field and also closer to the the realm that I want to go into mm. more in the future which is screen yeah um can you please yeah. note that down, casting note directors? Note that down. <laughs> Let me just be very specific. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't rule anything out, let's be honest. Um, I'm not in a position to be picky. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was just, yeah, so joyous mm. um, from the scenes that I was in. Um, uh, and yeah, just a t- totally different animal to theatre and stage and I've worked in, I've done some like music videos and stuff before in the past and I've danced on screen a few times in commercials and stuff. Um, But working on such a huge project and just um, seeing how Drew is in different um, environments Mm. and also it's just good for me to just be on set and just to get to to soak in that kind of vibe yeah. um, that environment because that is what I really want to do more of um it was a lot of fun and also to use dance which is something I'm really comfortable mm. with and love to do um so I didn't have to really worry I did worry yeah <laughs> but I didn't have to you know worry like oh my god I'm on set this is new and then also now I have to act and like mm. this is too many new things it's kind of like a soft uh, launch or like a nice way to go into that world yeah. But yeah it was really a lot of fun I was thinking of music videos in general and how important music videos are to the LGBTQ community particularly yeah. and it's really weird because take that a very very straight I think I'm mm. right in saying that mm. um, but take that a very much certainly remembering as what would I have been probably early teens mm. when take that were around mm-hmm. there was a huge queer following for take that really i yeah. didn't know that oh yeah oh. yeah definitely and i feel like there's something because of the sorts of things that they covered things like relight my fire you know oh. and things that were sort of quite 70s in um you know things like how deep is your love right and all that sort of disco feel that yes. just feels like there's something i don't know there's something quite queer about the queers love to party in the disco we do yeah i don't know there is definitely a reason not everyone not everyone not you blanket statement stop it (laughs) (laughs) but there is there is something about um um that sort of music and that that kind of the the joy that is in music videos Mm. i'm thinking also of things like you know these are all i I, presumably anyway these are all um straight artists i think but Mm. you know things like madonna and the 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 backing dancers in madonna and some of the coding in that and did you find any of that when you were in the in the dances that you did uh just that the casting and just in general um across the board um 
there were there was diversity mm. and that was ethnic diversity and also with um sexuality i believe and also like um gender representation and things like that mm. um looking around on that set and all the cast all the other dancers and yeah. the cast members um i felt like yeah there was def- it was definitely inclusive that's yes. th- that's um really lovely to hear because yes. one of the other things that i think i've been really um that i've been really hoping for is that we will get out of this idea that dance has to be very binary and that it always has mm-hmm. to be male female couples and yes. if there's anything that's remotely sexualized it must be heterosexual yeah. and we don't get you know two boys dancing together or two girls mm-hmm. dancing together and that sort of thing mm-hmm. i mean i guess particularly in ballet that's embedded but yes. i think also in even in musical theater and even perhaps in the sort of genre we're talking about here mm-hmm. it's unusual to get sort of explicit queer representation it's, there yeah it's true i'm trying to think off the top of my head i probably don't know i mean apart from matthew bond's productions Mm. um yeah like in dance i definitely didn't do any queer apart from merlin um Mm. actually no i did a beautiful piece by la lubovitch and it was um it was created during the the aids crisis in Mm. and, and um it was a duet with, uh, between two men and it was mm. my first year in the company and I was dancing with one of the soloists at the time and it was yeah two men and we did that in London at the Royal Opera House in the Limbury stage and it was one of the most beautiful pe- beautiful pieces that I've ever danced mm. personally um it was a lot of fun I was lifted a lot <laughs> yeah I was lifted a lot and that was just so much fun um my partner was incredible Giuliano yeah strong strong partner um but it was definitely a crowd favorite Mm. like each every night there was um yes standing ovations big cheers like and i don't usually take note of that like Mm. to me like a performance is like someone out there they don't need to be standing and cheering and clapping for them for me to know that yeah that they enjoyed the performance um but there was a actual like you know you can it was notable that like, you can notice it and people were just loved it mm-hmm. i think yeah uh, it was a queer it was a queer relationship on stage and it i i that is one of my highlights i think mm. um and i'd love to do more of that yeah take going forward um but in the dance world yeah i, I can't think off the top like there's not too many it's not too many yeah. there needs to be more definitely um male on male female on female partnering um just a bit more of that yeah yeah and of course with um with non-binary actors and non-binary yes. dancers yes, yes coming more to the forefront as well it starts yes. to challenge those things it's particularly within a company where it's uh, an ensemble um choreography yeah and it's partnered it starts to kind of challenge that idea about these bodies are only capable of doing this and these bodies are only capable of doing that absolutely and hopefully that will you know that's beneficial to everybody Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know particularly thinking of you know all of the very tall women out there or all of the the, you know the small and slender men out there that you know that are forced into these roles which maybe and i struggled with that a lot like i'm definitely i'm smaller and was used to be very slender mm. <laughs> um growing up um young being a young dancer like um i knew that in the ballet world it was very male and female binary and men had to lift women and 
I had to, yeah, I was told many times that I needed to get stronger, get bigger, be more masculine, be more grounded, be mm. that element, that, that, that grounding element so that I can lift the female. So it was very rooted in, you know, the gender binary or the, this masculine and feminine expression of gender. Um, and it was a struggle. I, mm. I remember that. Like, it just felt like someone telling me that I wasn't right. Mm. all the time um which is actually one of the reasons i mean one of the reasons why i felt you know ballet i've done everything i can do there yeah. like i know what it will take to keep going and you know what i want to pursue other things where i can yeah. maybe just be myself a bit more mm. and i loved it i loved it um i did some amazing things but yeah it was very you just reminded me of that how mm. how structured it is for if for your gen like for your for for the gender roles mm. um yeah <laughs> it's I, I always find it strange because there's absolutely no reason for it other than to uphold heterosexuality yep um and a specific image of what that yeah. should look like or what men or women should look mm. like from whoever's very close perspective um yeah it was that is mm. yeah so hopefully that again that's something that is people are starting to challenge a bit in in dance particularly but also you know thinking about different voices and mm -hmm. and in acting as well and, and thinking about you know maybe we don't have to have a certain type of person that plays a certain type of role yes um so it's exciting times i was going to finish off by asking you um mm. a question uh in terms of <laughs> what you would like to do in the future what what, oh. what sort of uh so if you could play any roles or any mm. sorts of roles in the future, what sort of things would you like to do? Wow. Ultimately, I think what I would like to do is just to do projects that the dream is the dream is to do projects that resonate with me. Right. Yeah. Um, to do projects that leave a, a positive impact on this earth <laughs> and um just to be truthful and to be um to to uplift voices yeah and um to help people feel seen and as an artist i'd love to do things that challenge me like yeah. do roles that are out of my comfort zone and mm. um to to keep growing yeah. i think keep growing and um yeah that's what i want to do just keep growing and doing different things and hopefully leaving a positive impact yeah that sounds great you, you always inspire me matthew whenever i talk to you <laughs> and I, I i really hope all those things happen and i really look forward to seeing what's next for you oh thank you so much um, but thank you very much for uh coming along to record this podcast it's been a pleasure and um thank you all very much for listening at home and i'll see you next time Next week on Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast, we've got a special episode recorded in Los Angeles with the cast and creative team of Interstate, a new musical. James, I feel like you're quoting the show and you haven't even... <laughs> I just thought you were just going to start singing the lyrics. I was like... <laughs> this episode will come out on Friday the 26th of August. See you there.